This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello. Thank you for going to the Les Schwab Twires. Twires? I don't know. Hello. We appreciate you going to the Les Schwab. Les Schwab. Why can't like you Vive, say tires? Vive Clucot. It's the same Just thing. Just say tires. Uh, where, where did we pick up from? Hi, uh, everyone. You're listening to the Center in the Saint podcast. I'm Luke Anderson. I'm Will Darkins, well, and this is sponsored by Les Schwab Tires. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Yep. Enjoy. Doing the right thing since 1952. Rise and shine, jerks. It's football time. Send your wife to brunch, ship the kids off to grandma's, and tell your girlfriend you're busy. He loves his wife, and he takes care of his kids, and then he's got a good life. The Sinner and the Saint are here to get you ready for the weekend's gridiron action. We're going to get you all set up with everything you need to know about what's going on in college football this Saturday. Frostbrood Coors Light presents the Sinner and the Saint tailgate show with gluten-free former Beavers fullback Will Darkins. Here's your host and junior varsity legend, Luke Anderson on 1080 The Fan. It's just an unfortunate side effect of beer plus football plus just being an idiot. Football! Hey, kids! Happy Saturday! Welcome to the Sinner and the Saints. Today is proof that every game matters. Every college, game every matters. Every game matters in college football. If you're Except a Mercer... If you're Mercer right now, Ooh, if you're the Citadel right Ooh. now, it's big time. This is this is your chance to shine. This is your Super Bowl. Every game matters, and by proof of that, there is maybe one game worth watching today. Yeah, just about. And and it, it's on right now. It's about to kick off. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you don't need to go anywhere because the Center and the Saint, uh, your good buddies here, uh, myself and Mr. Darkins, we'll keep you up to date on everything that's going on in uh, number 24, Michigan, taking on Wisconsin. And to prove that today may suck for college football is this game is the most important game of the day, but it's only really important to one team. If Michigan wins, it doesn't elevate them. It doesn't put them into the top five, six teams and a potential playoff team. You don't all, think all they so. they are a two-loss team. Yeah, but no two-loss teams are getting in. You don't think that? No way. Mm. Now, one one two-loss team has a chance at it, and that's Auburn. Maybe Auburn. There's a lot of talk that Ohio State might sneak in. Yeah, but that would make that would basically make the the selection committee irrelevant. Yes. Because that'd be two years in a row and undeserving Ohio State makes it in. Yes. And Ohio State can make it in by virtue of winning their conference championship game against an undefeated Wisconsin. Or I guess they'd be a one-loss team. Wisconsin has punched their ticket to the championship game because they are on the western side of the, the Big Ten. Uh, Michigan can only play spoiler, but Michigan can also play spoiler next week. So if they beat Wisconsin and they beat Ohio State, then they could potentially be the champion. There's now, a couple other scenarios we'll talk about later. There's some doomsday scenarios. There, th- And that's all we're rooting for today is doomsday scenarios. 
But most of the games across college football will not be all that entertaining. And that's why one of the big questions today is out of these three games, uh, Clemson versus the Citadel, uh, Alabama versus Mercer, uh, Auburn, oh, I'll give you four games, Auburn versus Louisiana Monroe. And this is actually a conference matchup, Oklahoma against Kansas. Who has the largest margin of victory? Oklahoma, I think Kansas. I think it's Oklahoma. It has to be Oklahoma, I Kansas. I don't think it's close. I, uh, how the hell is a recruit? I was thinking about this the other day because I was thinking about really crappy teams because I was thinking about Oregon State. How as a recruit do you go to Kansas? Like, uh, is it as, a last a, resort? Simple, simple. Play basketball. <laughs> it's very easy. That was as an a, easy one. As a football recruit, like – don't you think that possibly there's another option other than Kansas, even at like a, like a, a like a D two or a D three, like, shouldn't you be offered like a really, like a scholarship from a really good school in that league other than like thinking, Hey, you know what? I think I'll go to Kansas for four years and just get the crap beat out of me. And no one's in the stands. Here's the big problem that Kansas has is they're too good at basketball to get guys that play basketball and football. It's like the Duke problem. Like, like Duke's Julius actually Peppers. a pretty good team, but nobody cares. Yeah, well, yeah, but yeah, I don't know what's going on with Kansas. I mean, they, it's not that far removed from them playing for an Orange Bowl. Like it's a decade, but it's. But but I mean, they they can do it, right? It's not like it's not one of those things. Like, well, back in the fifties, they were a good football team. It's, hey, man, Mark Mangino's not walking past that door. <laughs> No, he's not walking through the door either. No, They're going to have to build a new door he for Mark Mangino. No, they have to get him up in that like little rolly chair. <laughs> get him in the lift. And it's not even mechanical either. They got to get two guys on a on a pulley system to get him up there. Listen, don't worry, kids. We hate day, today's slate of college football games, but we've got plenty of college football as we go on. But we do want to start with the breaking news in the NFL, and that is that Cam Chancellor, if you don't know who Cam Chancellor is, um, first shame on you. Second he's a of football all, player. He's a great football player, yes. and he is uh, he is one of the three uh, that makes up the Legion of Boom in Seattle, their safety, their leader on defense. By all accounts, people say that he's the locker room leader. Well, he's got a neck injury that is going to keep him out for the rest of the season. This is compounded by the fact that Richard Sherman pop popped his Achilles on the Thursday night football game against the Cardinals, and he is out for the season. And in that game, uh, the other member of Legion of Boom, Earl Thomas, was not playing. Now he's expected to be back against Arizona on Monday night. But now you've got two pieces of, of what hold this defense together, at least on the back end out for the season. Is this uh is this the end for the Seahawks in your opinion? Will I know you've been, thinking. I'm kind of thinking possibly yes. Now we have to gauge it in this next game, right? Sure. Uh, you know, this is a hard stretch that they're going to go past. So you got the Falcons 49ers. That's an easy one. Eagles. <laughs> That's an easy one. Well, it's easy when you have your one. team put together. Yeah. Uh, so you got the Falcons, Niners, Eagles is going to be tough. Jaguars is going to be tough because that defense is good. Rams, Cowboys, obviously Cardinals. one of the better teams in the yep. NFC. Cowboys, even though they're going to be sitting now possibly at uh, five and six, or what are they going to be at? Maybe five and five. But that's the game that they have circled for Zeke's return. Yes. So Ezekiel Elliott is and back. And then you got the Cardinals to end the season, which they're no slouch. I mean, I know there's no Carson Palmer, and he possibly not, might be playing at that point in the season, but that's going to be a hard game. Here's the thing about the Cardinals over the last few years is, is looking out six, seven weeks at who you're going to be playing against the Cardinals. You have no idea who's going to be on the field because they're just – especially at uh, their defense gets chipped up, but it, at quarterback, you have no idea. Carson Palmer is, I don't know if he's going to be even alive at that point. Cause he's a thousand years old. So, whoa, <laughs> well, he is. He's, I mean, if he goes back in the Shots game, fired. well, no, he's very old and he's very brittle. He's, he's older than his age. 
he's one of those guys that aged in football years. Unlike Tom Brady and, you know, James Harrison, Carson Palmer is his age in football. Breaking news, Carson Palmer dead face down in his tomato soup. Exactly. On his deathbed. Yeah. With reruns of Coach in the background. There you go. Yeah. Very. What very, a life. Eh, well, he, listen, he had, a, he had a decent career. He won a Heisman Trophy. He won a national championship. Like, Did you hear the other thing that came out of uh, – that came out of the Seahawks apparently because you know he, uh, Russell Wilson's under this whole concussion protocol. Yeah. Well, so the they were fined one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the fake attempt at going right. through the concussion protocol. But then there was another thing attached to that that uh, came out on Pro Football Talk. Uh, I think it was yesterday that I was reading this. Apparently, Russell Wilson had to have his jaw realigned and he was on a liquid diet for one day. Oh, day that doesn't worry me too much. <laughs> on a liquid diet once, it's awful. <laughs> Yeah, all I drank was beer one day. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, 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 I bit through my lip playing basketball. So uh, like yeah. below, below my bottom lip and kind of the uh, cleft of your chin, not the cleft, but the space between your chin and your lip, I bit clean through there playing basketball. And so they told me if I got any food particles in there that, uh, that it could get infected and I can lose the lower half of my face. So I followed it very strictly. Like for no jaw week. or just no lip? No lip. It wouldn't. Yeah, it wouldn't be the jaw. It would be the the, the lip. The so lip. your 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 teeth, your lower teeth, would just be out all. Just the time. be exposed. You'd yeah. be like one of those dogs whose lips get dry. Yeah, your teeth are always showing. Yeah, be that. So I didn't want to do that. So I I strictly adhered to my uh, liquid diet. But yeah, for a week I was eating broth through a straw. It's pretty awful. But gross. Yeah. Anyways, tangent there. So. So Russell Wilson, yeah. Now, uh, well, I, and uh, you know, you take a look at this Cam Chancellor injury, and really the other the other part of it that you want to look at is the teams that you face in terms of what their strengths are, right? So the yep. Falcons, great passing team. Eagles, great passing team. Rams, decent passing team. This is going to be something that each one of these teams are definitely going to exploit. And so the one thing that was keeping the Seahawks in every single game, right, was the fact that they were able to stop teams defensively and give Russell Wilson and the offense enough time to catch up in the score. And then you get maybe the last five minutes of the game and they start doing that high tempo offense. So yeah. I, I, that's a real problem going forward. Well, yeah, of course it is. I mean, you lose two perennial all pro defensive players and the identity of your defense for, you know, the last five years. Uh, yeah, that's a, it's a huge problem. You just wonder how well these guys are going to be performing and and like you said it's going to be a big test on monday night to kind of see what you have so you've got uh you, they they signed byron maxwell who was part of the legion of boom uh when they won the super bowl and then they let him go oh wait no he was in the second year second super bowl yeah. first one was brandon browner mm -hmm. anyways they bring byron maxwell back beaver by the way what brandon browner beaver Oregon yes. state yes thank you anyways <laughs> holy cow hey we gotta have something good <laughs> Fair point. Okay, so Brandon Browner was there for the first Super Bowl. He was brought by Byron Maxwell the following year. Byron Maxwell then got that huge contract with the Eagles and luckily was not playing football because he never found a landing place. So they bring him back. So he'll be the backup to Jeremy Lane and uh, and Shaq, uh, Shaquille, Griffin. Shaquille Griffin on the other side. So now those are your corners. And now you've got uh, Delano Hill who's stepping in for Cam Chancellor who's a rookie out of Michigan. Yeah. I, it's just put up or shut up time. And I, you know, the Seahawks have this next man up mentality, but we've seen what happened with their running back position where you've just had this constant rotating and it's a lot of injuries, but you have this rotation of running backs and nobody's ever fit in. And that's Who's that guy with the dreads they have. Um, they put in sometimes they, they took him off the practice squad. I think um, 
McKissin. Yeah, McKissin. I like him. I wish yeah. they'd put him in more. I'd wish they'd integrate him into the offense a little yeah, bit Yeah, but he's a speed guy, and they just keep looking for that bruiser and yeah. getting Chris Carson back, and ProSize is just in and out of the lineup. Thomas Rawls can't seem to stay healthy. Eddie Lacy was a was a healthy scratch on Thursday night, so they want that bruising back, and McKissick just gets in there, and he just he's just a dart. I mean, they fire him out of the cannon out of the backfield, but if there's, you know, no running lanes and it doesn't do you a whole lot of good, it seems like every time I see him in the game, he's running East and West, not North and South. Uh, on Twitter, which we now have Twitter, right? We have a Twitter. We do. Sinner and Saint 1080. We asked Sinner Saint 1080. Sinner and Saint. There's no Sinner and. No. Saint. There's no Sinner. and in there. There wasn't space for it. No ampersand. Sinner Saint 1080, we posed this uh, Twitter question. Who's the next Seahawk to get injured? Uh, right now, the options are Bobby Wagner at 18%, Russell Wilson at 42%, John Ryan 3%, and uh, surprisingly, Pete Carroll's doing really well. 37% Wait, think that Pete Carroll's going to get injured so, next. So question, um, when you say doing well... <laughs> You mean people hope he gets hurt? I kind of think, I think this is like a passive aggressive thing of some fans who are like, I kind of hope Pete Carroll gets injured. I kind of hope somebody gets uh, just tackled into him and his knees get blown out or something. Is it, is there anger towards Pete? I, I feel like there's more anger if you're a Seahawks fan towards Daryl Bevel. Yeah, I think not for sure. Carroll. Well, and, and this is where Daryl Bevel has to go and do something too. Cause like you mentioned this already, this, the defense has been holding the the opponents, spending a lot of time on the field and holding the opponents to a position where that Russell Wilson can go run that comeback offense at the end of a game. You need to go out and you need to make sure that this now patchwork secondary in the defense doesn't spend all their time on the field. And that's been the biggest problem or certainly was early on in the season. And you can't put it all on Russell Wilson. You can't go out there and run your pace offense and think that that's going to help your defense. Cause if you have a three and out that only lasts 30 seconds, that's not good. You need to figure out this running game. And that's why you went out and got Dwayne Brown. And now you've got a left tackle and figure out a way to run behind him. And I don't know exactly how that works, but if you're Daryl Bevel, you need to try something, maybe use the pass to set up the run, but you need to get your guys time. Maybe off teach of the Jimmy field. Graham how to catch. Jimmy Graham's been fine. He's got touchdowns the last, what, three weeks. Look, he doesn't block. I get it, but he can catch. Okay, he doesn't catch. I get it, but he's he's pretty fast. Okay, yeah. he's, he's not that fast anymore, but <laughs> there's like a there's a line of succession with Jimmy Graham where you yeah. just keep going down and you're like, God, I don't know if he's very good anymore. <laughs> he's got touchdowns, what, the last three weeks, so yeah. he's, he's been fine. They figured out right. ways to use him, but the, the, the big problem for Seattle is figuring out their running game and who their backs are. And it's you've seen it work recently, but when you have a game where Russell Wilson's your leading rusher, that's a big reason why a lot of people think he's the next one to go down. So we'll see what happens. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, every game in college football is important, so we don't want to dismiss that. So you've got the state of Oregon hosting the state of Arizona. We'll get into those games and more college football next. Center and Saint, 1080 The Fan. So if you look down the Pac-12 lineup today, it's very interesting to me because you're essentially the narrative across this is you've got teams looking for bull bids. Utah's at 5-5 five and five, taking on Washington. That's the late game tonight. At 5 p.m., you've got Cal taking on Stanford. Cal's at 5-5 five and five, playing against Stanford 7-3. and three. US, UCLA taking on USC. UCLA's at 5-5 five and five, taking on 9-2 and two USC. And then you've got Oregon. 
your other five and five team taking on Arizona at seven and three. The return of Justin Herbert. Uh, and the only team that has uh, that's favored uh, as the uh, team at five and five is Arizona State taking on Oregon at one and nine. Which, by the way, I am driving furiously to that game after this show. Good for you. <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> tell me why you're in such Good a for you. Tell me why you're in such a fevered pace to get there. Because it's a kickoff at noon and this thing ends at eleven. Okay. I'm gonna try to make my way down. I okay. did that once, I remember, and it never ends well. You always think <laughs> like in your head you can get to Corvallis a lot faster on a Saturday, and then you hit that stretch of I five where you're like Oh, I'm going to be sitting in traffic for an hour. Yeah, because there's not only people driving down to Corvallis, there's also people driving to Eugene because there's a four o'clock kick. Yeah, yeah. So, so not smart on my part, but you know, you live and you learn. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, the the big news between these two games, we'll start with Oregon. I know that you're excited about the Beavers game, but just I'm jacked. Temper that excitement. Uh, I know you're thrilled. Justin Herbert cleared to play. He is cleared to play he's ready and the Oregon Ducks are finally going to be a bowl team today I think do you think so no I actually don't Arizona <laughs> is a really good team um and Khalil things, Tate is a monster he is a monster and uh one of the times that I actually noticed it because I know he has been for about like six games here but the Washington State game was kind of the check mark for me I watched that game and uh Wazoo was putting on the points early in the first two quarters and then Khalil Tate just exploded uh he has had five 70 plus runs this season yeah that's insane mm-hmm. think about the whole concept of somebody running 70 yards on a football field during a live game thinking now- of running 70 yards exhausts me <laughs> running as fast yes. as i can for 70 yards yes my heart might explode yes this is going to feel going to be a gut check game for oregon i think it's actually going to be an important game going forward for oregon in the next season because a lot of duck fans have been saying that the only reason we've been doing so bad Heading into this stretch where, you know, I think they're like one and six or something is no, Justin is Herbert. no Justin Herbert because Justin Herbert was anchoring the offense to a point that, uh, you know, you became a viable team. You, you weren't like a you weren't a two loss team, but you definitely with Justin Herbert would have been a three or a four loss team. I believe I think sure. there, there's a lot of games where you win with Justin Herbert. But if they can't do that today and they look just as listless as they have in the past six games, listless, listless. 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 Okay. Uh, I think you kind of have something on your hands where people look at the team and they go, well, is it going in the right direction? Is this the game that you do that, though? I mean, Arizona, I mean, you said it. Arizona's been a team trending upward. I mean, Rich Rod was on the hot seat to start the season. I don't think that's the case anymore. Now the talk is, is he going to be poached by an SEC school as an opening, or does he want to stay at Arizona? And that's that's the convert. That's how much the conversation changed around Arizona and Rich Rodriguez is is now the idea that he's going to to take a better opportunity and use this as a stepping stone. So I think if you lose to Arizona, it's it's I think it's about being competitive in the game, and I think it's Justin Herbert going and showing showing how much better the team is when he's captaining the the ship on offense. And you I mean you've got to win circled for next week, sorry, Beeves. Uh yeah. you, wait, go you ahead. never know. I'll say this, and I want to hear from the uh, I want to hear from the listeners uh Bridgeport Beers text line 55305 or, or Twitter or Twitter Sinner at Saint yep. 1080. If the Ducks lose this weekend or today do you think that Oregon State has a higher chance of beating them next week? 
I think if Oregon loses against uh, Arizona and say like it's a bad loss, not like a a crushing defeat, yeah, for, like for a, the Oregon two, Ducks, two two tuds or more, I I think that you're possibly looking at next week as a as a game where they're going to stay competitive. Oh yeah, if you think they're listless this week, yeah. just wait till they're listless against. And that'll also create a really good matchup, I think, for uh, the Civil War too. If the Ducks do lose this uh, or lose today, is that now they're fighting for bowl eligibility in that yeah, they're game. Pl- but they're playing for something next. Yeah, week. they're yeah. playing for something, and Corey Hall's playing for something because if he beats yep. the Ducks, he automatically goes up to the top three candidates. I think. I think he, I think he becomes a candidate for sure. But yeah. that, and that's why this Arizona State game is important for Oregon State. I mean, if you flip it to the other side of the coin, I mean. You have a team in Oregon State that does not have a FBS win this year. No. And so you've got two opportunities at it. So I think every game is very important for the Beavers and Corey Hall and and going out and making a statement going, hey, we can turn this team around. And a team that wasn't talented enough to win with a coach that everybody loved in Gary Anderson, I was able to get enough out of these kids to go and do something. I should be a candidate. I wonder if he even wants to be a candidate, though. It's not like he's been a coach all that long. And he just got it because reports were that there was so much infighting, and that's kind of what led to Gary Anderson taking off. And Corey Hall was one of the guys that he got along with. So he just went, hey, all right, I like you. Hey, man, sometimes you stumble into a job. Yeah, well, so if you have this opportunity in front of you today, what do you think the prospects are of Oregon State being competitive against Arizona State? Uh, that I'm not so sure of. So it is senior night. Uh, is another thing to point out. So maybe you have some seniors who have uh, been hanging around like Jordan Villeman that you say, well, maybe they're going to play for something and try to win their last game at home. But I mean, even Arizona state under Todd Graham look good. I know they're a five and five team, but they're, I mean, they've beat Washington this year. They beat Oregon when Oregon had Justin Herbert. Uh, you know, they're a lot better team than what their record would indicate. So I, I, I'm hopeful for today that when I get there midway third quarter, maybe it's competitive. <laughs> But. It's funny because Arizona State was the best two and two team in the country, and now they're the best five and five team in the country. Sometimes you are your record, though. I mean, they have weaknesses, and if Oregon State can go out and put their heads down and run the ball, run over them a little bit. I mean, that's one of Just the things. Ryan Nolan. Well, I mean, that's that's what you have to do, right? I mean, that was the big complaint about Gary Anderson. It's like, well, you weren't using these guys correctly. So and this year, though, see, that was the craziest mm-hmm. thing. Like at the end of last year. He was, it looked like they were finally building an identity as this team that was like, look, we run the ball first and we control the clock. And that was what was so exciting about last year's Civil War was that you just looked at it and you go, oh my God. And you project it all to next year because you have all these guys coming back. And then in the offseason, you get Thomas Tyner, you're like, another power back that you can put back there and mow over people. Yep. Going to run the clock, possibly be bowl eligible. And then you just trot out this weird spread offense that, I, I can't without the it. weapons to execute it. Yes. It, it was very, very confusing. This has been an extremely confusing year more than anything for Oregon state fans. It's been a bad year, but it's been just super confusing. You come out with a completely different offense than what you expect. And then your coach just is like, all right, I'm out of here. Yeah. I'm so depressed. I can't even stand this. I'm leaving. This is one of the more, not just for the Beavers. This is one of the more bizarre seasons in college football. I mean, it's, it's, it is, it's very, who walks away from $12 million? How bad's the situation? And then they come back and they're competitive in the next couple of games. So I, I'm very curious to see what's going to happen with the, the Oregon State Beavers these next two games. Uh, but it starts today 
And uh, if you're on the highway right now and you're headed to uh, Eugene or Corvallis, get out of my way. Get out of the way. Get out of the way because get, get, get ready for a Ford Focus up your tailpipe. It's a Ford Focus uh, hatchback, and I, I just want to tell you something. Number one, it's nicknamed Mike because uh, he was made in Michigan. Michigan Mike, obviously. And uh, he just he enjoys. <laughs> I'm gonna let you keep going. <laughs> he keep... enjoys the left lane, and uh, I am very, very, uh, I- I'm very generous with the horn. I let people know that I'm behind them, which is like one of the things I think that makes me more comfortable driving in California. I went to California, I think, last year with my girlfriend for a wedding, and I got on the highway because we rented a car. I love it, man. The fact that everybody's going 80 to 85 and there's just like no hesitation to change lanes. Oh, yeah. I'm all about that. And then you get to Oregon and it's like if somebody wants to change a lane, you have to wait for a minute and a half before they feel comfortable enough to just kind of slide in there. The thing about Southern California and driving around down there is there's always somebody going slower than you and there's always somebody going faster than you. So you never feel bad about passing somebody and you're always ready to be passed. You have to be on high alert at all times, lane changes as quick as you can because somebody's going to mow you down. But you could be going 120 miles an hour. You get passed in the left lane by a guy going 140, and he'll blow by you. It's yes. amazing. It's, a it's crazy. Every, everybody's it's, everybody's very assertive. It could not be more different than driving here. You are not wrong about that. Here's here's my final question about not necessarily the Oregon Oregon State game, but just Pac-12 football today. Is there a black shadow of it kind of over the Pac-12 right now, knowing that? There doesn't appear, unless we get into those chaos scenarios where something just crazy happens and the Citadel beats Clemson and and Mercer beats Alabama today. Is there a black cloud over the Pac-12 knowing that there's no chance that they make it into the the playoff? Kind of, yeah. I I mean, USC is, I would say, your last hope just because of strength of schedule. Washington is pretty much out of it at this point because even if they do get out of this whole thing, winning the Pac-12 with two losses – Again, I think the committee will look at that schedule and just say it wasn't tough enough and it doesn't warrant other teams like, say, Ohio State gets in, right, with yep. two losses. Well, you know, they played Oklahoma. They had this whole huge slate of um, Big Ten Yeah, but they games. got their doors blown off in those two losses. They did. I mean, they did. Oklahoma beat them up at home yep. and then Iowa, Iowa crushed spanked them. them. Yep. So, so I just yeah. I, I just don't buy that narrative. I get that there's precedent set because they put Ohio State in last year, but I don't buy that. But here's my thing. It's no matter how bad things go for the teams at the top, they still end up being two-loss teams. There's no way that Georgia or Alabama get to two losses without Auburn winning out. You know, and 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 there's your two loss team. I just don't think there's enough that even if everybody fell to two losses, you're there's no tiebreaker scenarios where I see it happening. Couple of thoughts from the Bridgeport Beers text line five five three zero five. This one's from the five zero three. Corey Hall will squeeze a win out of OSU if the Ducks lose today. Absolutely no doubt. Uh, another one from the nine seven one. Next week is competitive. Nall duck cutting again. That's a that's a factor I don't think about as much that maybe Ryan Nall is going to have a, like a, a, one of those games where it's like a vendetta for him, you know? Well, I mean, ev- Nall look, is known look at to every civil war that he's played yeah. in. I mean, the civil war is the reason he stayed at running back before oh, yeah. that game. Gary Anderson had a earnest talk with him going, Hey, linebacker might be a better position for you to get to the next level. They even this, thought tight end at one point. Yeah. But, but it was, and it, that's very true. So in his, what was it? His uh, freshman year, they yeah. were just looking at different options to put him in different places. 
And there was a conversation about moving him from running back, and then he went out and did what he did in his first Civil War game. And, of course, last year led him to the victory, and now uh, you have a real possibility to be, if nothing else, an Oregon State legend just for what you do in three football games. He will be a legend to me no matter what. I think he's already uh, there, but this will cement him. If if he can beat the Ducks again almost single-handedly, I mean, just build the statue. He's similar to me. (laughs) I'm saying. (laughs) Build the statue. (laughs) Right, all just running over a bunch of dudes. Yeah, no, not a bunch of dudes. A bunch of dudes in duck uniforms. Yep. Yeah, there's. I'm telling you. So you think they've put up a Ryan Nall statue statue before, like say Mike Riley? Yeah, if he if he continues to mow down ducks like he has been doing, we'll, we'll pull up his numbers. We'll get to those when we return. Uh, but first, we got to go over to the news. Still doing a little research to get the final numbers on Ryan Null. From 2015, 174 yards and a touchdown. Some Null search. A Null search. For some reason, I can't find the game logs on it. Um, also from the text line, somebody said, we uh, need to quit day drinking. Beavs won't win any FBS games. They haven't. I'm, I'm just saying it'll be entertaining to watch because at least... Listen, if every college football game matters, you've got people playing for bowl eligibility. I mean, that's a big feather in the cap for this team. For everything that's happened to this point, you've got two games left. If you can win one of these two games, I think that's kind of great. Can I tell you that? I mean, you're, you're, this is where you are. It, uh, looking back at the beginning of the season, if you said, if the Beavs win one game, that'll be great. No. But when you've got two games left and you're winless, yeah, that'd be awesome. Can I tell you as a former player that senior night's not that big of a deal? Oh, I can't imagine it being a big deal. It's not football. really. It's it's dependent upon who you are, of course, because some people have that kind of thought about themselves where they say, like, this is going to be the last time I ever play football. But for most everybody on the team, including seniors, if you're bowl eligible, that's more the one you get emotional about. Because yeah. then that's when you're on a trip with all your friends and everything, and you have all these lasting memories. I mean, again, very dependent upon what the game is. If it's the Civil War, maybe that's a little bit more relevant. But... Um, yeah, at least my experience, I never thought the senior game was, was that big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I just don't see it being that big. It's, it's funny. I was so looking at these Ryan Null sets. He's actually listed as a tight end, um, for his freshman year. Yeah. So he was a beast at central Catholic dude. Yeah. He was really good. Yep. He was. And he drove in from Sandy every day and they talked about his workout regimen. And it's know. usually how it works. You're, if you're good in college, you were probably pretty good in high school. Yeah. Right? That's a decent assessment. Yeah. Not all the time. No, but most of the time. Yeah. It's pretty, you were pretty good in high school. I was, I was, I was okay. Yeah. I was all right. How was Nurkic in high school? Ooh, I, I'd like to think what kind of high school he went to. It was probably some weird Eastern European school where like all the walls were gray and it was very like dictarian. You shoot ball. Get back to shooting basketball. Yes. What are you doing? Or I Get will... out of class. You don't need to learn how to read. You're seven feet tall. Get back there and play basketball. You post up or I whip you in buttocks. What, he had four points last night? He had four points. And then let's also talk about the fact that Yusuf Nurkic is just a foul machine more than anything else. Blazers lost, by the way, to the Kings, I think, 86-82. Yes, in a... Poor offensive performance. Uh, Dame scored 29 points on 900 shots. CJ had 19. No one else scored in double figures last night. Yikes. Against a Kings team, by the way, that I think was 3-11. and 11. And they play him again tonight. At home this time. Well, the old saying, right, you can't beat a team twice. I think they might be able to beat the Blazers twice. There's something going on, man. Mm-hmm. I, 
There's nope. something going there on with the Blazers. There's something not going on, and I it think, was scoring. Yeah, I think there's something going on with the Blazers that's far past maybe players. And now I'm kind of getting on the train of maybe this is a Terry Stotts problem. You brought this up before. I did. Yeah, you really want to fire Terry Stotts. I don't want to fire Terry Stotts. You I just hate- want to explore the idea of firing Terry Stotts. Terry, what Terry Stotts needs to do is he needs to build this team around Shabazz Napier, and everybody's going to be fine. Yes, obviously. No. Um it's one of those things where if you can't get help for your guys, it's, it's one thing, but when you rely so heavily on Dame to get shots, I mean, he had a chance to tie it with what 11 seconds left, Yep. but if those shots aren't falling and he has to take more shots to create more shots, then it disrupts the flow of the entire offense, right? I mean, you, you need, you need Dame and CJ to be efficient and then that brings everybody else in. But you look at that stat line and nobody else scoring double figures. It's, it's atrocious. And Willie Collie Stein comes off the bench to dominate you inside. Probably part of the, you know, the foul trouble issue with Nurk, but that's, that's not a very good Sacramento team. Well, another thing that I wasn't crazy about was the last possession we had, which uh, was the rebound by Napier to Dame. And then they just say, Hey, we're not even going to call timeout. Let's let it ride. I wasn't crazy about that because up until that point, I didn't find that game actually competitive, which I think is even a sadder thing to say is that the Blazers weren't competitive in that game. Even though it was close, there were so many times in that game where I just thought to myself in terms of shot selection, what are you doing? Are we running plays? Is this just basically Nurkic driving and then throwing up some crazy hook shot that won't go in trying to draw a foul? Wisconsin just scored a crazy punt return. Yeah, I just saw that. That was nuts. Yeah, so the ball's just kind of laying there, and nobody's touching it. He just picks it up. Didn't even catch it in the air, and then ran through six guys. That was a crazy touchdown. And Jim Harbaugh looks pissed. Well, he should be, because how how does this even happen? First, it's a terrible punt. Yeah. It only goes about 30 yards. It's sitting, the ball's sitting on the 50, resting. Dude shouldn't have even touched it. Three Michigan guys around it, and the Wisconsin dude just goes and scoops it up and mows down everybody and trots into the end zone. Yeah. That was ridiculous. Competitive or not, the game was 60-60 after three quarters. Yes. 60-60. So it's competitive. It's even. You go into the third quarter tied. I don't care if it's 60-60 or 100-100. There's a team, what was the, who, who had 90 in the first half? The Rockets. Uh, Rockets, yeah. The Rockets oh. had 90 points in the first half. Oh, dude, I, two I teams. watched that game. Oh, yeah. it was so great. It was awesome. That was literally watching what uh, Mike D'Antoni envisions uh, his perfect offense to be, which is like. On pace for 180 yeah, points. Yeah, I don't care how much they score. If we can score 200 points, I'm golden. Jeez. And the, and the. They combined for 120 points, the two teams, in three quarters. I think one of the biggest things to look at with Terry Stotts is possibly his personnel decisions because there were a couple of head scratchers like well, throwing he's, You Jake realize Lehman that he's in. not the general manager. Well, okay. <laughs> the Rotation, decision. yes. Yeah, thank you. Rotation decisions. Yeah. The fact that you throw Jake Lehman in there and you throw Myers Leonard in there at key times in the game where – you know, you're kind of trying to hold on to a lead and you say, why are these guys playing? I think the move to get Shabazz Napier in was definitely correct because Napier obviously has enough talent that he needs to be somebody coming off the bench to help Evan Turner with the scoring, right? Sure. If you're not going to have CJ or Dame in there, which is pretty rare, you need to have somebody to help uh, ET. But at, at the same time, there's just so many lineups that Terry Stotts goes through where it has me scratching my head. I, well, don't, I don't understand. A, here's the reason. With their primary lineup, 
And and Aminu's still out, so you've got that to contend with, right? With that primary lineup, are they good enough to win in the playoffs? <sighs> that's why you have to. That, but that's why you have to mess yeah. with the lineup. Yeah. You know what I mean? You have to figure out a combination where you have two or three rotations that you can you can play with that that will can win you a basketball game and you're going to have different matchups. At least now you've getting a little bit of diversity in the NBA where everybody's not trying to shoot their way out of everything. You have some teams that have enough size and can go inside and you can play against it. But, but mostly you're playing, it's still playing against the Warriors uh, and the Cavaliers, right? And on either side, even though the Cavs have started off slow, if you're, if you're in the East, you're trying to figure out how you get past Cleveland. And if you're in the West, you're trying to figure out how to get past the Warriors. And you need to play with those lineups. And you're going to suffer losses against a team like Sacramento because you're going to have to mix and match these guys to figure out something that gets you some electricity. And Shabazz Napier has been that guy for the last week or so. But you need to figure out how to build around him. And and I, I think it's a perfect time in the season to do it. You don't need to have a good record going into December. You don't even need to have a good record going out of December. You need to get in there and you need to figure out a way to win. And if you're Terry Stotts, just winning every game isn't that important. It's figuring out something they can win in the playoffs. Text line 55305. If Blazers don't make the playoffs this year, is Terry Stotts on the hot seat? Probably. Really? He's he's taking them to going the playoffs. into the next year. He's in the hot seat. You asked if he'd be fired. Hot he's, seat. He's hot taking seat, them to the playoffs. Hot seat, five hot seat years is relative. Straight. I get that, but if they don't make the playoffs this year, the, and this is a this is a season where I don't know how good the bottom of the West is going to be. So it it depends on how you miss the playoffs. I guess I guess too. But the idea was coming in with Nurkic, this was going to be a bounce back year where they were going to go and potentially be a fourth or fifth seed. So if you miss the playoffs, hot seat. What does that mean? You have another year. Hot seat means. See, uh, see that's yeah, the other here, thing. Uh, here, here's my definition of hot okay. seat. The year that you are now in, which would be the next season. You're now scrutinized in quarters of seasons. Yeah. So you're ex heavily scrutinized every game before Christmas. You're heavily scrutinized every game before the all-star break. You're heavily scrutinized if you're going to put yourself in a playoff position. Right now, I don't think Terry Stotts has to feel that pressure for the most part. Nope. But if you go into Christmas with a losing record, I think now you kind of start having these signs of, I think you go into the off season with both Neil O'Shea and Terry Stotts on the on the hot seat if you miss the playoffs. Yes, and I I don't know why you wouldn't. And 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 part of it is if you're having trouble with the rotation, it's maybe you don't have the right pieces, which is of course a personnel problem. Yeah, because what you've done is you've added youth to a team that needs to build around their core. They didn't add any veteran leadership last year. Well, and yeah, that's or, the blueprint, right? Or, or the year before, I mean, Evan Turner. See, and that's the thing. I know they're trying to keep everybody young and have the team grow, but I, I don't want to grow around this team, to be very honest. Like, I don't see any pieces that I think would last for a long enough time. Like, they're trying to mimic yeah. what they did with uh, Wesley Matthews, Batum, and Aldridge, and that whole set of players that had a nice, like, that five also or four didn't year win stretch. Anything. They didn't, well, now they, they got they a lot won. closer than them, you know? Sure. Yeah. Sure, but but this this season is yet to be seen what happens, and you kind of get a pass for what happened in the playoff last year without Nurk. So, but now you need to get Nurkic playing. You need to get him motivated. You need to get him to be more consistent and stay out of foul trouble. What happens with the Blazers? It's early. It's one loss. If they lose again in the same fashion to the Kings, that's bad news bears. But that again, that, that again will be tonight. And it's a home game. Um, but we need to get good versus evil. That is next. This is a sinner and the saint on 1080 The Fan.
Not all news makes the front page. So now's the time to look at the stories you may not need to know about. That was a camera shutter. But you'll be glad you did. It's time for Good versus Evil with the Sinner and the Saint on 1080 The Fan. Are there good reasons for change? Yes, but what should those changes be? And let's do it in a smart way and understand what's really broken um, and what's not and fix what's broken. So on a much smaller level in our own backyard, you know, that's a process we go through every offseason. That was attractive slash wealthy balding man in Portland Timbers majority owner Merrick Paulson on the show Timbers in 30. He was giving his thoughts on the club's 2017 season, but no one could have predicted what happened this week in the Rose City. After five years with the club, head coach Caleb Porter stepped down from his position this past week. During Porter's tenure, the Timbers went 68, 50, and 52, finished first place in the Western Conference twice and won the 2015 MLS Cup. Fans and pundits were shocked by this move. What's the most shocking sports firing that you can think of? The Ooh. one where it really got you like, what? Why? Um, the the step down was Gary Anderson. That's, I mean, that's the that one this relative, year, right? That's yeah. the one that you kind of had uh, shockwaves firing. Lovey Smith from the Bears to me was kind of confusing. And especially now, well, Lovey Smith from the Buccaneers is shocking now, looking at how Dirk Cutter seems to have lost control of that team too. So, yeah, I mean, there's 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 been a lot of them. Um, there's none that popped to mind over what's happened with the Beavs this year. That's the to me is one of the most shocking ones. Yeah, especially the way it all happened. If you go back just down that, Gary Anderson uh, replaced Mike Riley, who's going to be fired from Nebraska very soon, um, but. Mike Riley just kind of took off, too, to take that job, which I don't think a lot of people saw coming. I think it was more that Riley took off than that he was fired. Because I kind of felt like a lot of people were expecting him to get fired. But the fact that, yeah, yeah he got but the Nebraska he left, job. And then, and then everybody was shocked when Gary Anderson yeah. came in. And then for Gary Anderson to leave like this, that little stretch of time. That's, it was all it, very shocking. It, and it still is. And we you don't know what's going to happen next. It's the, it, it's very bizarre. I'm really happy that I, that I won this this year. Uh, but I, I, I really want to thank God and thank my teammates because they are the one that made me an MVP this season. That was professional short guy that makes you question your masculinity in American League MVP Jose Altuve. The Astros' first baseman won the award this past week, beating the Yankees' rookie Aaron Judge by out over uh, by over 100 points. The National League race was a whole different story, though. Miami's Giancarlo Stanton won the award, but his team came nowhere near making the playoffs this season. Many baseball fans and pundits say Dodgers pitcher Clayton Kershaw was more deserving of the award. What's your take on players winning top awards while being on mediocre teams? That's uh, tricky because uh, Giancarlo Stanton won by like two votes. Uh, there was, I think, six players that had uh, top votes. Uh, so it's when you get into close races, it makes it really tricky. But I think sometimes you look at it and, you know, I mean, to say Kershaw deserves it. It's weird for a pitcher to win it. He's already won it before. So it's kind of bizarre. Um I always hate it when they just pick the best player on the best team. Yeah. So I think it's it's a difficult balance trying to like find the, the Mark guy. Ingram Heisman. That's what it was for yeah. me. Yeah. Or the Der yeah Derrick Henry. Henry. Yeah, yeah. Derrick Henry's another one. Yeah. Or any Alabama Heisman ever. But um, but, <laughs> but yeah, then, Jay Jason yeah. White. I mean, you can go through a whole. But then you have list the complete of opposite, which is like Robert Griffin, right? When he won at Baylor, Baylor I think was like a three loss team. Yeah. Well, it's it's the Felix Hernandez Cy Young where they won 13 games, but he had no run support, like the worst ever of a Cy Young winner and the fewest wins and there, 
it's hard to pick the best player because if you take the best player off the worst team, they're still the worst team. If you take the best player off the best team, how far do they drop? So I, I think sometimes it's those teams that were propped up by a guy and the only reason they were so good. And, and baseball, I think it's trickier than most sports to go, this was the one guy because everybody gets their chance at the plate. The ball's not hit to you every time. But uh, I'm not sure that Jose Altuve makes me question my manhood. We decided to hop on the train with the squad. Hey, Channing, what's up? First of all, what's up? What's question? What's question? I don't know this dude right here. He tripping. He hey, D-Wade. Hey, well, we on this train? Man, we out here, dog. We out here. Hey, we on this train. Yeah, we're on this train. That was the largest man I've ever seen play any position on the basketball floor, LeBron James. Wait, Dirt. what? Yeah. Not the biggest person. Eh, he's large. Most famous, large. larger than life. Large guy. Yeah, but Shaq was much bigger. You, watch, you remember watching Shaq? Yeah, but Shaq didn't play point. Uh, yeah, but uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo does. Greek freak. During an away game against the Knicks this past week, Bron Bron and his Cavalier teammates decided to ride the NYC subway during the morning commute. James recorded the ride and got a real estate broker on camera who put his hand in the lens and asked, "Quote: Can you not?" Before leaving for another seat, there were <laughs> there were opinions on both sides of this one. Do you think this was a well-intended social experiment by LeBron or just something funny? Or did it show how out of touch LeBron James really is? Out of touch. It looked like he'd never been on a train before. He was like a, a kid. Just, oh, it's amazing. It's a train. Hey, train. Yeah. <laughs> it, oh, my God. We're on a train. <laughs> it, rem remember that he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated before he started his senior year of high school. He was always going to be the chosen one. one yeah. Of, yeah, one of the one of the greats in the NBA. So I think he's been isolated from a lot of things. He seemed way too excited about it. And he's sitting next to Kyle Korver and everybody's got their hoods on. And everybody's like, all right, LeBron, we'll just go along with this video with you. But, yeah, it was uh, a very dumb video and i love that the guy posted his own twitter video and didn't know who lebron james was hey we on this train yeah <laughs> yeah we're on this train man i can't believe it it's like he, he he could not it's like he's on an atv in alaska or something he's like oh my god i can't believe i'm doing this yes but it's like <laughs> it, it's like he's standing in line at a subway restaurant or something he's like yeah. i'm they're going to make the sandwich right in front of me. I've never seen anything like this. Are you kidding me? Because Like an ATV in Alaska. That sounds a little bit exciting. Yeah. The people that take the subway in New York and do it every day are not excited about it. It's no, just I've part of their it. day. It's awful. Uh, the first time I did it, it was like exciting for two minutes. And then you realize you're shoulder to shoulder and it smells. But again, I'm not, not saying you or somebody doing it for the first time. It's the people that do it every day are the people that surround you. They have no interest in being there except for they need to be. Yeah. At, like you said, after two minutes, it's not exciting. Well, it's entertaining to have LeBron James, I guess. I, if you care who LeBron James is. <laughs> All right, time for my favorite story. This one comes from the local television news outlet, KGW. They posted an article this past week titled Service Dogs vs. Fakes, Five Things You Need to Know. <laughs> Would you like to know? <laughs> please, please. I'm very excited. Dogs are not allowed in grocery stores and restaurants. Yes. Service dogs are trained working animals. Therapy yeah. dogs and companion dogs do not qualify as service dogs, and service dogs do not need identification. Have you ever had a moment where you looked 
at somebody with a service dog and you go, I don't think you need that service dog. I worked in hospitality. I worked in restaurants. I worked in hotels. I worked in plenty of places where people would try to bring in their pets and cover them with service dogs. If you go into a hotel room, that even if it's pet friendly, usually there's a $75 to $100 cleaning fee for that dog. Uh, if there's a service animal, there's no fee. So, yeah, people tried this crap. All the time. I've always wanted to do that. Just get a get a just dog. Get a service dog and no, just no. come in. If here. you're gonna do it, get a service goat. Or service dog. Oh, a service goat. Right. Like get just get a bizarre animal. This is my uh my companion my my service, you know, whatever, uh Wolverine. I think a service goat would be great because then I would make sure it's a very loud goat and yep. then I would ignore the fact that it's a loud goat and everybody would be like, Hey, can you maybe take him outside? He's a little loud and then be like, What excuse me? Well, we recently here at the station had a uh a com- a therapy llama come in uh, wearing a diaper. Uh, at first, I didn't think it would be nearly very as, nice. Nearly as popular. Did you meet uh, Rojo? The I saw Rojo. Okay, yeah. So people were running all over the building to go and meet him and uh, her, him, her, him. I would think Rojo's a guy. Maybe Rojo had a diaper on. I couldn't tell. I so don't want to be insensitive. Yes, but yeah, rolling in with a service llama, goat, whatever, would be way more fun, especially if you're going to fake it. By uh, the way, from the text line, 55305 Bridgeport Beers text line, we're going back to the whole uh, most shocking fire. Oh, this is a good one. Marty Schottenheimer, 14-2. and two. But that, I, Yeah, but he never won in the playoffs. But I attribute that just to the Chargers, who are stupid. They just yeah. make stupid decisions. Yeah, but they they never won in the playoffs. 55305 is Bridgeport Beers text line. Who is your... Most shocking fire in the history of sport. College football playoff picture is not going to change much after today, uh, unless, of course, Wisconsin loses. But what do we need to see and what do we think will happen that is next? Center in St. Tennessee, the fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.